John would go through these periods of feeling better, getting off his medication, go into that destructive spiral, and then start to become psychotic. And the next thing he would disappear and become homeless. And that's when I'd get on the streets of D.C., riding around the streets of D.C., literally looking for my brother. And, you know, one time I found him sitting on a wall at DuPont Circle with nothing on the middle of the summer, with nothing on but a pair of jeans, no shirt, no shoes, no socks, just sitting there. I don't know how I found him, only by the grace of God, and, and got him into a hospital. And I was always able to save him until the last time. Welcome to Beyond Theory, a podcast powered by Metals Behavioral Healthcare that brings you in-depth conversations with firsthand insights from the front lines of mental health and addiction recovery. I'm Dominic Lawson. Roughly one in four adults suffers from a diagnosable mental disorder each year, according to John Hopkins Medicine. And for relatives of those sufferers, it can be a stressful endeavor when trying to help. Victor Brick, co-founder of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation, says that his brother, John, who died from complications of schizophrenia, is the reason he advocates for mental health resources for all. Let's get out of the abstract and see how this applies in the real world. It's time to go beyond theory. My name is Victor Brick, and I am the founder and the uh, chairman of the board of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. I am also the founder and the CEO of Planet Fitness Growth Partners, which is the largest privately held Planet Fitness franchisee in the Planet Fitness Health Club chain. Victor, thank you so much for coming on the Beyond Theory podcast. We really appreciate your time. Oh, it's it's an honor and a privilege, and uh, thank you for having me. Of course. So just kind of share with us your background, if you would, Victor. Yeah. My background is, uh, uh, like many people, started in one direction and ended up in another. I, I started in the uh, as an educator, the physical education and uh, coaching uh, basketball, actually. And uh, one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, I'm in the fitness industry. And it, it is uh, quite fortuitous that, that a lot of what I learned as a physical educator, because I have my master's degree in exercise physiology, related to fitness. And I, I always knew that we were in wellness, not fitness. We were in health. And, and that developed into an uh, interest in, in mental health because of my brother, John. And so now I, I, we are still, my wife and I, who was a nurse, so it was a perfect combination of a nurse and an exercise physiologist getting into fitness and then it evolving into wellness and uh, specifically mental health. So we still are in the health club industry on a lot of health clubs around the world, around the country, and in Australia. But our main uh, legacy, we hope, will be the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation. You created the John W. Brick Foundation as a result of losing your brother to uh, complications with mental illness. But before you share some of those struggles John was having, just kind of share with us, you know, for our audience, who was John? What kind of person was he? You often say he was the most talented of the Brick siblings. John... And this is often the case, unfortunately, with with mental health issues and mental illness. John was one of these. He, he was a great writer, and he would one of those phrases that I remember was "marvelously gifted and tragically flawed." That was John, marvelously gifted, tragically flawed. He was a great athlete. He was my oldest brother, the oldest of five siblings. He was a great athlete, a good-looking kid, smart as a whip. I mean, literally, um, IQ test in the genius range, which he would flaunt and tell you at every turn but he was never comfortable in his own skin and sometimes it, it that, that can be salutogenic or it, it, it could be uh, uh, 
uh, a, a just a frame of mind, but in his case, it was also patholo- uh, pathological. I mean, he had schizophrenia. It wasn't that he just, quote, had poor self-esteem. But the bottom line is that so many people suffer from that that they don't realize how talented they are. And for John, he was never good enough. No matter what he did, he was never good enough. And again, having schizophrenia, he was prone to to serious bouts of, of mental health issues. But he was my hero. He was also my hero. He's the, 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 the oldest brother. He protected me growing up. He, my, my mother's Filipino. My father's uh, American or U.S., the European. And they met during World War II. And, and so we came from a mixed marriage, uh, Asian-American marriage, right after World War II. And we grew up in Hawaii. <laughs> Hawaii, of course, was, was the center of a lot of the conflict with the start of the war, quite frankly, Pearl Harbor. So John, even in Hawaii, faced racial issues and, and discrimination. And he, and as did I, especially when we moved to Washington, D.C., I was the only kid of color in my class. But I had my oldest brothers, my older brothers, John and Merrill, to help protect me and to stand up for me at times. John didn't have anybody. So he was often the the brunt of 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 uh, racial discrimination at the, at the time and, and uh, things that uh, I believe had a lasting uh, effect on him. So over time, what we thought was just, um, uh, you know, a, 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 what would you say, overactive or hyperactive kid, we, we realized that, that he had some serious clinical issues and we tried everything that we could as a family to help him, quote, become adjusted and pulled him out of one high school and put him in a small private school and sent him to a boarding school. And then we realized he needed hospitalization. And we, we sought out the best hospitals in the, in the world. Thank goodness there were quite a few of them in the Baltimore, Washington area where we live. But his, 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 medica- his conditions just continued to deteriorate. And over time, it became severe where he would disappear from home and uh, uh, he, he would uh, be able to uh, function and he would end up homeless on the streets of D.C. And those are the times that I had to go find him and, and, and bring him back and we would have to put him in, in a hospital again. And it just was a vicious cycle that he got into based to a great extent on how they were treating him and on the medication. You mentioned a lot of times some of the struggles he had. And one of those struggles was kind of this cycle between taking his medicine and not taking his medicine. Kind of talk about that a little bit, Victor. Uh, again, anyone that, that that's had family or friends that have serious mental health issues know that often experience the same thing we did. And that is this vicious cycle of an individual feeling, uh, having a, 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 a episode, uh, a, a mental health, mental illness episode, which requires institutionalization and hospitalization. And the medication would stabilize the person, in this case, my brother, and would get him lucid to where he was in control of his faculties and could think and function, but which would also make him physically feel very bad, badly. And also because he was lucid, he would now realize that uh, what it was doing to him, he, he couldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be able to function like his normal self. And he, it was just, uh, yeah, affecting him physically. And because he was stable and smart enough to realize what the medication was doing to him, he would think that he was okay and didn't need it anymore. So he'd get off his medication. And then he would go back, of course, start to spiral back into this, this uh, episodic period of, of mental illness. In John's case, uh, uh, it would be he'd become delusional and, and uh, psychotic and, and quite frankly, a danger to himself and others. 
And that would require, of course, again, severe intervention of medication as opposed to a, a manageable dose or a absorbable dose on this part, moderate dose. And, um, and the vicious cycle would start all over again. And that's because they had nothing else. Even today, the majority of the way people treat mental health, medication, institute psychoanalysis, and institutionalization. In terms of the, quote, medical establishment, what else do they do? What else is there? Those are the three pillars of mental illness intervention. And that is psychoanalysis, medication, and institutionalization. And quite frankly, they employ that even in mild cases. And this is where the John W. Brickman Health Foundation comes in, because I truly believe that if my brother was put on a well-rounded program, when he was stable, he could... Uh, he could function with a very minimal amount of medication or maybe no medication maintenance program. That's what I was looking for. I was looking for the word, uh, a maintenance program of medication, not a, a intervention or a, a recovery amount. And, and um, you, you know, the, taking some of these medications is like drinking out of a fire hose. If you've never done it, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. You're, you're physically, you're, your heart's racing, your mind's racing, you're, you're, you're just not yourself. It, it's, it's like having a really bad cold all the time. You're just totally out of sync and it makes you feel physically, it makes you feel horrible. And it, it, it is not sustainable. And it wasn't sustainable with Sean. And that leads us to, you know, uh, this found the foundation that you created with your brother, John's namesake, the John W, uh, John W. Brick foundation, uh, kind of led to that action. And now you have a report that kind of speaks to, uh, some new findings, kind of talk about the foundation a little bit in that report, if you don't mind, Victor. Sure. But before I don't, I, I, sure. I just want to explain a little bit exactly what the final, what the tipping point was in order for Len and I to get involved with it, start the John W. Brick mental health. Of course. And that was. That John would go through these periods of feeling better, getting all this medication, go into that, neg- that destructive spiral, and then start to become psychotic. And the next thing he would disappear and become homeless. And that's when I'd get on the streets of D.C., riding around the streets of D.C., literally looking for my brother. And, you know, one time I found him sitting on a wall at DuPont Circle with nothing on the middle of the summer, with nothing on but a pair of jeans, no shirt, no shoes, no socks, just sitting there. I don't know how I found him, only by the grace of God. And, and got him into a hospital. And I was always able to save him until the last time. And over a period of years, John's condition worsened to the point where we we couldn't keep him in the house with our parents because we thought he was a danger to, could be a danger to them. So we put him in a trailer park in Florida near the, my parents. And he began to retreat from society and including the family. And And, and he also started to avoid all modern appliances because he felt he had to do penance for his sins. How else could he be so cursed by these, the, 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 this stigma, uh, not the stigma, but this, this mental health. Oh, he got rid of the television. He got rid of the air conditioner and he got rid of the refrigerator. And when he got rid of the air conditioner, that was the final thing because you're in Florida in the middle of the summer. And when my dad found him, he'd been dead went to pick him up for his, his doctor's visit and a weekly doctor's visit. My dad found him on the floor of his, of his trailer home. He had passed, of course, and it was 110 degrees in there. And we didn't know whether he passed from heart attack or from heat stroke or what, but we just knew that John was gone. So at the funeral, the very next week, 
it was one of the saddest affairs I'd ever attended. The only people there were the immediate family. And here, this talented individual, it was as if his life didn't matter. And there was nobody there to, to mourn him except the immediate family and my parents. And that's when I, Leonard and I said, you know, we're not, this is how John's going to be remembered. We're, we're going to make sure they re, that his life made a difference. And we started the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation so that others would have to go through what we went through. And the focus of the John W. Brick, the goal of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is to change the way the world treats mental health. And the vision, our purpose and our vision is to have salutogenic processes such as exercise, nutrition, mind-body practice. And salutogenic means holistic and life and, and uh, lifestyle. So salutogenic processes such as exercise, nutrition, mind-body practices integrated as an essential part of the treatment of mental illness and the promotion of mental wellness. It's not the only part. It's not the answer. We're not saying that there isn't a, 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 a role for medication, institutionalization, psychoanalysis, but it's a continuum. And there are times when that's necessary, but there are other times when the emphasis should be on salutogenic processes so that they never get to where they need that serious intervention. So that's really what the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation is all about. And you asked about the study, did you, Dominic? Yes, I did. So, so because of that, here's the, here's the challenge. The challenge is, well, that all sounds well and good, but uh, does it work? That's what the medical profession is asking. And the answer to them right now is no. We have no uh, – how can you quantify it? And here's the problem with the medical community in the United States, and you see it with corona. You see it. The corona is the best example of it, and that is everybody has their own opinion. And people aren't sharing research, and people are challenging each other's studies. There's there, there there's as many different ways that they, people think you should treat coronas or states in the United States. And and so we thought it was necessary to co collect and collate. We do three things that John W. Brick. We fund and promote research, fund and promote research. We create programs and services, and we are a collaborative hub which works with our organizations in the field of mental health and distributes information and, and, and helps to create synergies between other group, like-minded groups. So we thought that we could do this landmark study and then the medical community would embrace it and change the way they treat mental health and they would start to incorporate these holistic and, and lifestyle approaches. But what we realized was that, that one study isn't enough. They, they have, to re, have, to, have to be overwhelmed by the volume of data and research, and that it's probably not going to come from the medical community. It's going to be a ground-up swell where the medical community is forced. Conventional, it's not just medical community. Conventional treatment, traditional institutions are going to be forced to accept the fact that there are other ways to treat mental health. And so we think that information and research, evidence-based research, is a big part of this. So the study you're referring to is the Move Your Mental Health Report. And we collated over a thousand studies and we rated them according to the discipline. There's Qigong, there's yoga, there's high intensity interval training, there's cardio, cardio training, there's strength training, there's nutrition. And we, we didn't do nutrition, but we will do that next. The study was more for movement related and physical fitness related, including mind body disciplines. And we rated them according to their efficacy and to their uh, peer review rating and, and, and to their uh, evidence-based findings. And it is the first of its kind, first study of its kind that we know about, and certainly the largest, that has basically gathered or 
collated, organized all the research and data out there into an irrefutable volume of, of uh, research as to how these methods affect mental health. And now our challenge is to begin to promote this to anyone and everyone and anyone that's involved in the treatment of mental health or suffering from mental health. For instance, you could go to this report if you had a brother or a sister or a son or a dog. You could go to this report and look up different types of, of, of movement uh, activities like like biking, like hiking, like swimming, and see how it relates to mental health and and see whether or not there's it's effective. It would be effective in in the case of the condition that you're trying to help improve. We don't want people to play doctor for sure, but we do want people to start to become a little bit more responsible for their own health, mental health and well-being, and for the mental health and well-being of those that they love and that they are are helping to give care for. Victor, I think that's very powerful, and I'm pretty sure our audience uh, would agree because it allows for uh, that agency for you to take more control over your mental health as opposed to waiting for a doctor uh, and things of that nature. So I appreciate that response. Well, if I could elaborate a little bit, Dominic, on that concept. Yeah. Because there, there's a couple of these, a couple of philosophies we have that we're trying to get pushed into the mainstream and we want everybody in society. And I'm not just talking about the United States and I'm not just talking about mental health. I'm talking about health care worldwide and each of you out there listening. And there's this thing called self-care, this new concept of self-care and this concept of health care. So think of a circle, and you've seen the yin and the yang circle where part of the circle is black and part of the circle is white, and there's a little white in the black, and there's a little black in the white. You know what I'm talking about, Dominic, that the yin and yang symbol? Yes, I do. Think of the black as self-care. Self-care is exactly what it says. You take care of yourself. Think of the white as health care. The health care is the, where the health and medical community takes care of you. You've got cancer. You're going to spend a lot more time over in the healthcare part than the self-care part. But there's going to be some, think, remember, there's some black and the white and some white and the black. There's a lot of things you can do for, for cancer on your own. Do not abdicate everything to the healthcare community. On the reverse side, you've got depression. Do not abdicate the treatment of that depression solely to the medical and the, and the health community. Take responsibility for yourself to find out what you can do and what you can have others help others to do, as I said, that you're helping. And knowing that, of course, there will be some health care in that. So think self-care, health care, and it's a combination of the two and assume responsibility to a great extent for your own health. I don't know about you, Dominique, but my mother would never do anything her doctor didn't tell her to do. And that's one of the problems with my brother. My parents would not listen to anybody but the medical community. If I were to tell them that he needs to eat better, he shouldn't be doing this, he should reduce inflammation, he should, he should be exercising more, and should be meditating, they didn't want to hear it. Mom, he shouldn't be taking that much drugs. Let's, let's try some of these other. They didn't want to hear it. And that mentality is archaic and outdated and, quite frankly, destructive. And we have it's all in balance and assume a great deal of responsibility for your own self-care as well as seeking out the professionals for health care. Where can we get a copy of this report, Victor, if you wanted to check you, it out for ourselves? You can go to the John W. Brick Foundation dot com, John W. Brick Foundation dot com. 
and you can go under resources and you'll see move your mental health report and you click it and that report would be on there. Thank you. We, we have many clinicians and aspiring clinicians in our audience. So I'm pretty sure right. that's going to be uh, of much value uh, to them as they endeavor on uh, their journey. Let me ask you this, Victor, because, you know, you talk, mentioned at the top of the show, uh, fr- largest franchise owner of Planet Fitness. Uh, I- I'm curious about something, you know, exercise is clearly a, a very big, important part of your life. Uh, how do you maintain your mental health? I'm glad you asked because, quite frankly, I was unbalanced. Think, thinking in terms of that, uh, and, it, and it's John W. Brick Foundation.org. I'm sorry, not .com. John W. Brick Foundation.org. Got it. Uh, I, uh, you you got to think of things in terms of yin and yang. You got to think in terms of that symbol. And I was so overfocused on the yang, the weights, the, the, the cardio, the uh, sports activities. And I have completely shifted to, and, to where I, now, actually, I'm more lean, more towards the, the, the yin, which is the, the softer, the water, the yang's fire. Uh, the yin, I, I, so I, I do, I've got a big five I do every day. One, I do qigong or yoga. Two, I do some type of strength training every day. Or not, not strength, training, some type of traditional fitness training, cardio, strength, whatever. Three, I take cold showers according to Wim Hof. I do the cold showers. Or the, 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 the cold baths. You feel go with Wim Hof and the Iceman and uh, his his philosophy of exposing yourself to extreme ranges of temperature to help it adjust to stress. Are you familiar with that? Yes, I, I'm, yeah. I'm familiar. Yeah. So so I take the cold showers, and then four is I do uh, the, the deep breathing, uh, which is also Wim Hof uh, advocate. I deep deep breathing and hold my breath regularly and then five is i take infrared sauna and uh you, you'd be amazed how easy it is to you know, to uh install an infrared sauna in your home or your condo they're not that expensive and they, they fit the size of a closet so i've got the qigong and the yoga for the mind and and the restorative and yet i've got the uh the, the, the traditional exercise for the body in my body, of course, yoga does that too. Uh, the uh, cold showers and the deep breathing helps put me in positive stress. And we don't have enough time for me to go into everything I'd like to go into. But one of the most important things in life is positive stress. For you to improve in anything, I'm talking about music, I'm talking about art, I'm talking about sports, I'm talking about weight, you know, size of your muscles, I'm talking about mental health. You have to be under positive stress. Too little stress, you get no improvement, which is what medication does, by the way. It takes you out of stress entirely. So my brother would be just a zombie, one that done the drugs. Too much stress, and you get fearful, you get anxious, you get frustrated, you, you want to quit. This positive stress helps you basically become stronger and better. So those two things. And then the infrared is uh, actually... Uh, rejuvenates and it, it, it uh, also helps eliminate pathogens in the body and it's one of the most you should look up the treatment the, the benefits of infrared it's just unbelievable but if i get those big five in i've had a hell of a day hell of a day and i don't always get them in but i try and and uh, like i said if, uh, 
you, you know, people just need to make a commitment to their health and well-being and make sure that it's balanced. It's got to be balanced. Too much of all of one type of activity is, could be worse than no activity. Balance is definitely important when we're talking about mental health. Uh, I, I want to ask you this because I know uh, we don't have too much time. I want to say thank you again for coming on the Beyond Theory uh, podcast. I wanted to ask you about the Never Alone Summit. I, I, I watched uh, that a few weeks ago. Very moving, very uh, great content. Uh, you collaborated with Deepak Chopra and many other clinicians and advocates for mental health. Kind of talk about that experience working with Deepak and everything else. Well, remember, one of our three focuses is collaboration. And this was collaboration with one of the leaders in the field of, of, uh, of self-awareness and uh, mindfulness. And that is, of course, Deepak Chopra. So the John Doe York Mental Health Foundation collaborated with the Never Alone initiative of the, of the Chopra Foundation to present a online podcast which involves some of the leading proponents of mindfulness and mental health with Dr. Jerry Boddicker, who's one of the leading uh, psychiatrists in the world. And we had Deepak and then myself were on and we had Russell Wilson who talked about his experience as a professional athlete and Jewel who was a singer and, and, uh, and Russell and Brand, uh, Brand uh, the act, the comedian. And, and, and what we, there are two things that affect mental health the most. The two things that affect mental health the most. For good mental health, you need connectivity and you need coping skills. On the, on the reverse side of that, the two things that cause mental health issues the most are loneliness and lack of coping skills. So connectivity helps, loneliness hurts, coping skills helps, lack of coping skills hurts. The two main things, the Never Alone Summit, what did COVID do? Made us, put us in isolation, so we were totally alone. And it removed us from a lot of our lifeline, with that being our family, our friends, but also fitness, our gyms, our therapists sometimes. And most people do not have coping skills on their own. So because of the loneliness and the lack of coping skills exacerbated by COVID, there has never been a more issues with mental health worldwide. They call it the second pandemic. They call it the uh, parallel pandemic, mental health. And so we wanted to make sure that people understood. Remember what I said, loneliness, biggest cause of mental health issues. We wanted to make sure people understood you were not alone. Hence the term, the Never Alone Summit. And we intend to do a series of these because they've been so successful. People need to know that they are not alone and that there are other people that are suffering the same things they are. But at the same time, they also need to know, well, that's great, but what can we do about it? And that's the big thing. That's where this report comes in. That's where we've got to get people accepting and acknowledging the fact that there's a lot you can do about it above and beyond just getting medicated. And remember, getting out of the positive stress, taking a good, good hard hike in the forest is stressful in terms of exerting exertion in the body. But it's positive stress. You can do wonders. A exercise, a, a serious exercise bath is the equivalent, and I say serious, an intense, an intense bout of exercise is the equivalent of an entry-level dose of Zoloft. So this concept that, yeah, I've got mental health issues, i got to lighten up, i just got to do light walking, I'm going to go out and walk my dog leisurely. Sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes you've got to step it up a little bit. 
sometimes you've got to go into what I call the twilight zone and get that get the release of endorphins and get that feeling of a good hard sweat and get that enjoyment you get when you're breathing hard out in nature and just having to focus on exactly what you're doing not all the troubles and problems that are weighing you down. So that's all part of the Never Alone Summit. And we've done two now, and we intend uh, uh, both with the Chopra Foundation, with the Never Alone Initiative. And we intend to continue, and I'm hoping that we can do more of these. And then, like I said, bring people into the sphere of the John W. Burick Mental Health Foundation and of salutogenic processes in the treatment of mental health so that they take more responsibility in their own for self-care and begin to do things like look at the movie Mental Health Report, begin to talk to other practitioners or therapists that advocate this and demand this as part of their treatment. Our listeners will remember that we had Dr. David Hanscom on the Beyond Theory podcast, and he talked about one of the big stressors or uh, that kind of leads to chronic pain is that isolation. And you, you talked about the second pandemic is uh, it just reminded me of that. I'm pretty sure our listeners are reminded of that as well as that that isolation is a critical piece. It's the critical piece. Right. It's the biggest, biggest. But here's the thing, Dominic, you can be alone in a crowd. You know that. I guarantee you there have been times when you felt alone in a crowd. Maybe it was nothing more than a relative's wedding. You didn't know anybody. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, and, and so you have to have coping skills and you have to understand you're not different and you're not strange and that it's a challenge at some point in time everyone will face. At some point in time, everyone in their life will have mental health issues. Will it be mental illness? Hopefully not. But they will face mental health issues, often due to loneliness. I, I could go into the science of all this and 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 have to talk for hours and hours. As we wrap up, just want to say thank you again for coming on the Beyond Theory podcast, uh, Victor. Really appreciate your time. If you would, if you could leave our listeners uh, with a piece of advice, what would that be? The piece of advice would be to not stumble on rocks that are behind you. Don't let things that happened in your past define your future. And determine or, or ex, uh, accept responsibility for your health and well-being in all phases of your life, as well as seeking help from professionals. And it's that yin and the yang. It's, it's most things in life are a balance. And it's a beautiful world. And the most important thing, one of the most important things is to have a grateful heart every day. Have a grateful heart every day. Victor Brick is the co-founder of the John W. Brick Mental Health Foundation and CEO of Planet Fitness Growth Partners, LLC. Find out more, including details of the report we discuss at johnwbrickfoundation.org. Beyond Theory is produced and hosted by me, Dominic Lawson. You can discover more, including videos of some of our conversations, at beyondtheory.com. For more information on Meadows Behavioral Healthcare, go to meadowsbh.com. Finally, thank you for listening, and I hope you join us next time for another episode of Beyond Theory.